This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 443 for Wednesday, June 15th. Holy crap, we're halfway through June. It's 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Brocket Vola is back, the Cat Volver on all the social media that matters. Welcome back, my friend. Nice to be back. It's always good to have you, and one of my favorite things that you and I do on this show Usually in the spring, we're a little bit late, we're almost into summer now, but usually we do this thing called pass or play, which is, it's your baby, it's your idea. Uh, (laughs) But to bring new listeners up to speed, uh, essentially Brockett and I look at a whole bunch of either upcoming or recently premiered uh, movies and often TV shows because with streaming services now, so many of these things are series as opposed to just films. Um, We're now... Post-pandemic theatrical releases seem to be a little bit smoother uh, in terms of the timing. So we've been able to um, take a look at those as well. But we just kind of give a quick, like, are we going to watch it or are we going to pass on it? Depending on our interests and our previous experience with maybe the series. So we're just going to go through the list. You mentioned just before we started recording that my list tends to be like the heavy hitters. uh, Mm -hmm. Which may actually be easier for us to say pass or play because we're more familiar with with the franchises so because my list is shorter do you want to start there yeah that'd be a great idea i think that's yeah i think also the the fan base of this show will scratch their heads on some of my passer plays but i'm always very interested and i always like to try and push fingers in different directions so yeah let's start with some of these uh these big guns no pun intended (laughs) we we made these lists a while ago we've been trying to, to record this for a few weeks so uh, some of my upcoming premieres have already premiered. Same. Yeah. Uh, and I'll start with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus, premiered on May 27th. And two episodes premiered that Friday. And then every Wednesday since then, they've come out with new episodes. I just watched the fifth episode episode this morning. So obviously, I'm playing <laughs> and I'm watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. It would have been a no-brainer for anybody that's familiar with this podcast um, for me to be watching this. Uh, and not only am I watching it, but I highly recommend it. Uh, so that's that's where I am with that. Uh, and we'll keep everything spoiler free. Of course, we're not going to talk about the details about these things. But um, yeah, given. I I was older when the prequels came out, so I like them, but I don't love them in the same way that, say, 10 year olds love the prequels when they were 10, when like the Phantom Menace came out. Uh, so I appreciate the following that this um, this show has and. I'm on board for most of it. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, are you, are you watching Kenobi? We're four in. Didn't see today, so today's okay. Wednesday. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, enjoying it. I'm, I'm. It's, and I, I will say, I not a hundred percent guaranteed Joel to watch. Joel will watch it because you are one of my friends that um, very much grew up like you were just talking about with that original trilogy. 
episodes four through six. And then, you know, you didn't have as much of a connection based on where you were in life with the prequels. And then the new trilogy at times has left you kind of cold. And Disney taking control of Star Star Wars has created such a um, flood overexposure of some elements of it. So I definitely know there's not only Marvel fatigue, but Star Wars fatigue. So, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a very tricky character. It's less like Ahsoka where, you know, some major fans are not going to be as... I mean, I diehard fans are probably going to be still critical of an Ahsoka, but Ahsoka you can do a little bit more with, I think, uh, for a general audience. Uh, Mandalorian was a totally fresh slate, and we have our mixed feelings on Boba Fett, a well-established character. But Obi-Wan is definitely the highest profile character not featured in a film, primarily, to now have one of these. And so it's very tricky territory. So I, I also am playing it, and I also would say play. Um, but yeah, without spoilers, it's um, it's quite an interesting ride. It's interesting where we find ourselves. And it just reminds me again uh, of how genuinely good Ewan McGregor is at Obi-Wan. And, and I, I really, if for nothing else, have enjoyed this series just because they gave Ewan more to do besides being basically the guy who can't see that Anakin is, is turning so bad. Like this is like, this is sort of like a nice um, opportunity for him as an actor to have a little bit more redemption off of uh, eh, kind of sketchy uh, writing and directing for those uh, prequels in him. But anyway, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Same. And I think there's only one more episode for me because I'm, I'm all caught up as of this morning. And okay. this is not a spoiler and it does not spoil any uh, through line or any kind of like predictability of the show but a fun little game that you can play is after you've watched an episode and you can kind of like surmise the the overall story arc in that episode take a look at the star wars films the main skywalker canon uh and compare episode one to episode one episode two to episode two etc and just just sort of get a feel for that little echo like it's it's subtle and star wars fans will get it especially fans of the prequels obviously because we're starting with episode one um but it's it's really it's a nice little nod it's it's a really well constructed mirror to like you said the only real i shouldn't say the only real because you, you can't you can't exclude clone wars um I watched that later than most people as well because I was an adult, but I was also an adult animator. So like I was really into it for a number of reasons. Um, but they do a really good job of of taking, like you said, the Obi-Wan Kenobi character and, and giving you more to do. What I like so much, and this is just a general statement about all of these series that are happening at the time that they're happening. A lot of these are, are either during episodes four, five, and six or after six. And what I like so much about it is the insight you get into like post-traumatic uh, stress for people that were either involved in the Clone Wars, involved in the Rebel Alliance in the battle for Endor, or some other uh, empire-induced trauma. And mm -hmm. I, fi I find it's an interesting thing to explore in Star Wars. Like so much of it in the films, because the films are short, like in terms of a compared to a series, you can't really get into all that other than just like, you have to have good guys, bad guys, struggle and victory or loss, depending on the film. And what I like so much about these series is that you get more character exploration. And like you said, 
um, someone like Ewan McGregor, who's one of my favorite actors, uh, gets a chance to really stretch his legs with this character, which he did not get as much of a chance to do in the in the prequels. And again, like you've got technology and stuff now, um, all of which we've seen with the Mandalorian and and Boba Fett, and it gives the actors more to work with. They're not staring at a green stick on a blue on a, or a blue stick on a <laughs> on a uh, a blue ball on a stick, you know, in a, in a big you know mm-hmm. soundstage that's got nothing. There's these set pieces and projection screens and there's a lot a lot of immersion going on and i i mean not to say that that's why the actors are doing better but i feel like there's a better sense of cohesiveness throughout the whole thing um which which i like um and i'm looking forward to getting into the details and people might be surprised why we're not talking about the show in more detail on the citadel cafe but honestly it's it's so it's so divisive in terms of spoiling it week to week that i just figured it'd be better to wait till it's all over and then we can just talk about it as one giant story so that'll yeah. that'll hopefully happen later um so yeah that's where i am with with kenobi i, I re- highly recommend it okay i i wish that there weren't so many people that were dealing with burnout on star wars my sister is one of these people where i've said like are you watching kenobi without trying to be like too pushy about it and she's like no i just i can't i don't want to watch another one i'm just and i'm so disappointed because it's so good (laughs) and one of her favorite characters not kenobi (laughs) is in it a lot (laughs) yeah and i kind of wish that she would just watch it but (laughs) it's called obi-wan kenobi but it's not called the other thing he's like but (laughs) yeah exactly real insight into both characters and she just she won't do it but i hope Hopefully when the weather, she's got a pool too. So hopefully when the weather is no longer summer, I can say, look, you need to watch. It's not great, but you need to watch Boba Fett and you need to watch Kenobi before other things happen. Because I feel like you're just, you're depriving yourself of, of really good, really good Star Wars. The next thing on my list is Stranger Things season four. Part one premiered on May 25th on Netflix. Uh, I actually missed the first two episodes because of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was so focused on, <laughs> on Star Wars that I forget about uh, I forget about Stranger Things. Uh, I have since watched all of part one of season four. Part two of season four is coming July 1st, so in just another couple of weeks. Uh, and it's true to form. I recommend it. It's a, it's a play for me. I don't necessarily think it's as good as other seasons, but the the issues just the internet has yeah but i think the other problem is that i didn't rewatch season three and it's been a couple years since season three came out so season three turned some people i was i was my group of friends it was funny they were very very down on three in a way that i didn't quite understand given everything we had seen in one and two it just it's funny. I was one of the people who was like, after season one of Stranger Things, was like, that was great. If it's an anthology series or they go somewhere else in this world, great. I don't need to see these kids grow up. And it's been good and it's been fun. But at some point, you're going to start to feel thin about how much can really happen in the lives of ordinary people. And I think that was happening to some people in season three. But I liked what they were doing in season three. So I'm interested to see what happens in four. But it does sound like four again is um, uh, a bit slower. If it maybe it's less splashy than those first two seasons. It feels like season one and two had a lot more um, from what I'm hearing had a lot more, um, you know, eight 1980s pacing where there was a lot more big things happening constantly 
Whereas now we feel more like we're actually in modern times where we sort of slow burn a lot of stuff. So I was thinking about that and I, I did find it a little bit slow, but I, I don't think it was necessarily the show. I think it was just me. And mm -hmm. the problem that I have, I mean, I've looked it up here. It's been three years, not two, since the end of season three. And yeah. my problem with season four was that I was lost. Like, I was like, what, what's going on? Like, why is everybody, I don't, I didn't remember why people were moved around. Like there's all kinds of stuff. And again, we won't get into spoilers, but I feel like, uh, the issue with season three into four is that season three had a decent resolution. Mm -hmm. And so then you're starting fresh. So rather than in season two and season three, you know who the bad guys are and you know who the good guys are and you're kind of along for the ride. It's essentially Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in season four, they kind of have to set up the evil again. Uh, and that takes a little bit of time and there's some new characters. And so you have to get to know the new characters, but about halfway through the season, everybody starts to gel. And for me, stranger things is not necessarily all about the main plot line. I mean, it drives it, but I really enjoyed season three for the character development, specifically Steve Harrington and Dustin. Um, oh, agreed. It's, yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorite character relationships in, in the series in general. Uh, and I think that's a three point in season four as well. So. You know, I, again, I definitely, definitely hit play uh, on that. Next on my list, which I have seen, uh, I don't know whether you have, is Top Gun Maverick. Have you seen it? No, I have not seen you it. You have not seen it. Run, don't walk to the theater the next time you get a chance. I, I, I don't think I've even recorded an episode since I've seen the film. I will go out on a limb and say I, I might think it's better than the original. And oh, wow. It like it blew me away. Going in excited, going in like, well, there's a chance that they're going to ruin this. So you go in with tempered expectations. I had high expectations because the trailer looked good. A lot of people that I know and like had seen it ahead of me and and like I like their reviews and, and trust them. And they said really good things. But uh, my sister and myself and her husband and a bunch of friends went to go see it. I think there was nine of us all together. Went out for a beer afterwards and it blew all of us away. Like n no one had anything negative to say about it. And in speaking with Chad, uh, a good friend of mine about it, who knows this kind of stuff, his only complaint was the, the pacing uh, of a couple of scenes. And it just made it feel like the way that modern movies kind of either hammer jokes home or just take too long in a scene. There's a couple of cheesy bits like that in it. But other than that, it's, it's great. Uh, and so total play for me. Uh, have you have you heard anything that's kind of steering you either way? Well, honestly, the, uh, m my gut is pass. Um, the original was all right, but um, I kind of was more because of where I was as a as a child was more into hot shots, which was making fun of Top Gun mm. than Top Gun itself. Um, so I didn't I never really took the original very seriously. It wasn't. Uh, as much of a, a tent pole and, and sort of my um, action repertoire at the time. But now more and more, I mean, the internet in general have just like elevated this. And I don't know if this is just because Tom Cruise is attached, but it feels like every Tom Cruise movie that comes out, people are like, ugh, because of Tom Cruise in the early aughts. And there's a lot around Tom Cruise as a person that you can kind of be like, Ugh, okay. But as an action star, he still is Tom Cruise. He's very 
uh, charming and he does really well in the in the parts he does um and this would always happen with mission Impossibles, where every time i'd roll my eyes that new one was coming out but somebody would tell me oh it's good and it's like well what is this that's happening with these tom cruise films where i just my gut is yuck and the internet seems to be very apathetic towards this like uh, this property and then when it comes out the expect you know the expectations are not raised because it's getting so many good reviews. So I, I'm 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 genuinely now pushed more towards play. Um, I still would probably not go if if I had my druthers, not be going to see this in theaters per se over other films that I've missed in theaters or might be coming out in theaters on this list. But um, now I will look forward to seeing it on streaming at some point. Um, and it'll it'll end up in my queue versus probably just kind of always being swiped over. Um, yeah. So yeah, your your review and the general just I've gotten from some of my uh, closer friends and the internet at large seem to really be elevating um, my expectations for what this could be. My only caution there is that it is designed and produced to be a theater experience. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. I am so glad that we spent the extra couple bucks to go see it at an AVX theater, which around here is just more robust sound and, and stuff. Um, at yeah. first, I was I was regretting it because they um, it's the sound wasn't balanced for the previews, and so some of the previews were like really tinny, like really high treble and very loud. And I was like, Ooh. oh gosh, like is this going to be not great for the whole film? But the film was obviously perfectly balanced and it's not so much louder as it is you can just feel it so like when they hit the afterburners on those on those f-18s like you 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 can feel it in your chest and i think that was part of the immersion like it was part of the experience i would not have yeah. the same experience at home with a sound bar and a wireless subwoofer um yeah. and neighbors i have to be conscious of um and and a, and a screen that's big but not like as big as a movie theater so right that would be the one thing that i would say the other thing is that i am not a tom cruise apologist uh, I have the same opinion you do. I'm just like, what, whatever he's intense and weird and his movies seem to do very, very well. So people like them. Um, and I've liked the mission impossible films, but I've not loved them. And many of them, I just catch on home video whenever I get an opportunity, right? right like I don't yeah. rush to the theaters to go see them because what are they on? Like mission impossible 12 now or something crazy. Uh, like, yeah, there's there's really a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, the thing is that I walked out of that theater going like, okay, so I usually write Tom Cruise off as a successful Hollywood movie star. I don't necessarily put him up in the upper echelon of actors. He proved me wrong in Top Gun Maverick. And I was surprised pleasantly by the fact that he really brought a game. And um, so did the rest of the cast, you know, straight up. So, so again, um, not what you have come to expect from Tom Cruise over the last, you know, decade now right. <laughs> that said yeah. there's there's a trailer for mission impossible 13 or whatever it is in front of <laughs> top gun so like there's that too like he's still doing that stuff but i mean i'm gonna tip the hat to the guy if he's doing what he likes then like all the power to him um now this one i think might have more of your attention and uh, considering that we've both uh even though i haven't finished it but we've both played the marvel avengers video game uh, miss marvel premiered on disney plus this june yeah uh i think there might be a second episode coming out this friday or it was either coming out today um again overshadowed by my my desire to watch obi-wan kenobi first but i watched the first episode and i quite like it yeah and i and i yeah. it's hard to say pass or play after one um but i i would say play uh especially if you have young women in the family that like superheroes like i think it's gonna it's really just it's nice to see that strong uh 
struggling kind of female teenager character who's quirky but has a good heart and is dealing with some really down to earth drama at home <laughs> like Fam- the family dynamics of and I, you saw this at least in a little bit of what you played for the video game but is also celebrated in the comics is like you know this character isn't just a token gimmick they didn't try and create a pakistani superhero girl just so they could you know put her on on merchandise and stuff like that uh or at least the creators you know originally did not that's not you know their intent obviously that can get changed by big corporations but in this instance i did feel again like the people behind this show did a good job like it wasn't like somebody ceo was like we got to really diversify these shows so let's grab miss marvel like the team they put behind this was very good i already have much better vibes for this than moon knight which is disappointing um, given how interesting and, and quirky that show was as well. But um, I'm very excited that particularly at least on streaming that Marvel is doing a little bit more to diversify itself, uh, that it doesn't seem as capable of doing for the big films consistently. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really enjoy the character of Kamala Khan. Um, it's just the classic Marvel archetype of misunderstood sort of geeky sort of you know funny and quirky type of character that um is just trying to find a really good niche uh a really good place in the world around them and there are challenges to that that aren't just super villains and in this case it's it's a little bit of the family dynamics which to your point joel i think again anybody who probably really loved turning red uh, might also enjoy Miss yes. Marvel because again you're having really realistic conversations between family members that you're like, oh, I see their point. Like obviously I'm signing with Kamala, but also maybe maybe mom or dad or her, you know, maybe they have a little bit of a point. Maybe like there's some growing up here or there. So um it'll be interesting to see where the rest of this series goes. Um I'm deeply confused about certain elements of it. My wife usually turns to me after certain episodes of of a Marvel show and be like, okay, well, who was that? And I'll be like, and early on, of course, I was, I, I puffed my chest out and be like, well, you know, that's Bucky. And, you know, here's a little, some details. I don't really know what they're going to get into. I don't know what you want to know. But then eventually now it's to this point where she's like, who's that? And I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I barely <laughs> yeah. know Kamala Khan. And now yeah. I feel deeply ashamed I haven't absorbed more of her as a character throughout the the comics and, and uh, all the other stuff she's been in. But yeah, it, it, I, I would play it. I, I do think it's fun, especially if you might be burned out from a Moon Knight, which was funny, but had a very decidedly different, spooky, heavier tone, a little bit more dark and adult. Uh, Miss Marvel feels a lot more um, like... Uh, well, honestly, of everything that's come out on the streaming is probably the most kid-friendly thus far. Like, Hawkeye wasn't necessarily super dark, but, you know, there's some lethalness to it and some dark edge to the humor. And Loki's a little whimsical and all over the place. So I definitely think Miss Marvel might be the most um, appropriate for tweens um, to, to truly enjoy a little bit more of what we've had. I mean, not that we can't enjoy the other stuff. I'm just, I just feel like this has a little bit broader audience and hopefully it finds that because I I think it deserves it. 
as far as uh, North American ratings go, it's TV 14. So like very accessible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very, very accessible. Uh, and I would agree. Like, I, I think that all that, you know, it was great. I'm not familiar with her in the comics. I'm only familiar with her via the video game and through uh, Steven, uh, co-host of the show, um, who is very into the comics and has read them and really likes them. So um, I, yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes. I, I really like that she's such a good hearted nerd. Like it's just, she, yeah. they really put that front and center. Uh, and kind of pulled back that stereotype of like, yeah, she's the nerdy character, but she's also the main character. Um, and I get some Peter Parker vibes from that, like a younger, yeah. less confident kind of Peter Parker, which I think is good. Um, coming up next, we've got Thor Love and Thunder, which is opening in theaters July 8th. There were new, some new trailers back in May when I first made this list. Uh, I haven't really gone back and watched any of the new teasers, if there have been any. I'm assuming the, the, the new teasers won't come out until like closer to the release date. Um, but I liked, um, Ragnarok. Uh, I think I liked it better on the second viewing only because I wasn't sure what to expect on that first viewing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm optimistically curious and it, it's hard with Thor because I find that some stuff with Thor gets so ethereal and, and out there, but, uh, I, I'm really curious about how they handle the, the character that Natalie Portman plays Jane um who is the new thor or a new thor uh there's all kinds of questions that i have um and so it's on my playlist but to kind of couple two together i haven't seen dr strange in the multiverse of madness yet so i kind of feel like yeah, i have to see that first before i go see love and thunder uh right. so there might be there might be some either a quick trip to the theater or maybe even home home streaming depending on when those release dates are i have to look into that um, oh um Doctor Strange, at least in the States, is already advertised as coming out June 22nd to Disney Plus. Oh, cool. Right on. I believe. Nice. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not they're not going to do the supercharge where you have to charge also on top of it. They were only doing that during the pandemic when it was in theaters. Yeah. But yeah. I guess Doctor Strange is still playing in theaters, so I'm a little confused. But we'll see. So I, again, it's probably different in, in Canada, so you might have to wait longer. But if it's not, if you guys are getting similar release windows then you might be able to just see dr strange on disney plus by uh, by the end of this month uh which would have you set up well for uh thor i'll look into that because um that tends to be the way with disney plus i find that most of that stuff tends to be international like you know whenever they release Explore. it on disney plus that te just yeah. tends to be worldwide same with netflix like netflix if it's a netflix original series then it's just it's worldwide on that day or right. if they do you know weekly releases or something like that that it starts on a certain date and it just kind of goes from there i guess it's one of the advantages of the uh, of these streaming services um having their own production you know properties is that they no longer have to be a slave to different copyrights in different countries or different you know distribution rights and all that kind of stuff um star trek is something we've talked about on the show quite a lot where it has different distribution in different countries and it's like on netflix in the uk but it's on paramount plus everywhere else and there's all this kind of you know backwards and that might have even changed since the last time i checked um so yeah it's just one of those things that that is confusing but yeah i'll, I'll look it up because that, that's interesting because i i like dr strange i really like the scarlet witch but i don't i don't like them enough to go to the theaters to go see it you know like oh, i kind of man, see this is where like so one of my theater experiences in the mcu that i remember enjoying the most was the first dr strange because that was one like inception where because of the universe where you know looking through the keyhole at like they're really able to do some more creative stuff the mysticism the magic everything of dr strange allows for just a little bit more than just lots of robots or lots of you know science stuff 
So, you know, I, I and the comics reflected that, and Laura's father, who collected comics back in the day, loved Doctor Strange because of how very existential and a lot of stuff they could get into. And even though, yeah, they've, they're not really going deep into this, the human psyche and soul of things with Doctor Strange, probably. But I, I, I would be most excited, I think, to see Doctor Strange in a big theater than even Thor, simply because the first Doctor Strange, there was some, you know, like buildings folding on each other and like mm-hmm. you know, the mc escher type elements and that sort of stuff i always think looks really cool again like inception on the big big screen so that's that i am a d- bit disappointed that i won't be able to see that or um you know some other ones on the on the big screen more more recently but yeah i b- between the two definitely playing thor definitely playing uh dr strange i am i like you was a little hesitant after the first Thor was kind of cute you know it was so early in the mcu but then thor dark world was so like a bad guillermo del toro version of things like you go back and look at that it feels very much like they just stole elements of like a hellboy story that del toro would do um with these whole dark elves and stuff um and it was very bland uh and just not a lot going on um and then ragnarok was like all right we're gonna take we're just gonna go full bore into this the elements of Thor that we truly can enjoy with a good actor like Chris Hemsworth and writing with uh, Tiki. How am I messing up his name? I'm so sorry. Taika Waititi. Yes. Thank you so much. See, it's one of those that you need to say it enough because I mean, he's all over the place um, now and I just really need to, I need to get that down, but uh, he was behind Ragnarok and that really infused so much life into it as, as he's doing with a lot of this projects he's done. And uh, I think uh, Thor Love and Thunder will uh, probably carry over a lot of that Ragnarok stuff. So if you hated Ragnarok, like a few a few people I knew didn't like it, um, then you probably won't love Love and Thunder. But uh, it does look really good. And uh, yeah, so I would definitely play that. And sorry to jump on uh, the Doctor Strange, but uh, obviously I'm really excited to try and play that once I get past uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Uh, a little sideways note on uh, Watiti. He is at the helm of the next Star Wars film, which is set yes. to, quote unquote, expand the universe. So we'll see. Um, I I don't always love him as a director. Uh, I found that the episodes of Star Wars, like Mandalorian, that he directs, I don't necessarily enjoy um, mm. as much as the others. I don't hate them, but I'm just like, oh, this is a... Here's the awkward comedy from Watiti in my Star Wars. Can't say I'm on board. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I much prefer. I know Star Wars has got. I mean, Star Wars is goofy and weird to begin with, so I admit that. But like, I there's that sideways sarcasm, like Leia and Solo, and like those characters being one-liners and funny is good in the sarcastic way. But I, I don't necessarily like the the goofy stormtroopers and stuff like I just that to me t- takes yeah. me out of it. It feels like a Saturday night live skit in the middle of my star Wars show, which I'm not on board with. Um, right. But I like I said, I do like Ragnarok. Like after that initial slap in the face, when I went to go see it, which wasn't a bad thing. It's just like, Joel, you have to experience new things. Whack. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and then on a second viewing, like I, I, I really quite enjoy it. So, so yeah, I, there are some things about it that, that grow me. Not that there, I mean, there's some scenes with um, Banner and Thor that are not my favorite, but again, same thing. It's like, Hey, ad lib this. And it's like, this is awkward. <laughs> Please stop it. You know? Um, but that's just my, my taste and humor. Uh, next on the list is Jurassic World Dominion. 
Uh, and this has been released as of June 10th. Uh, and I am on the fence. Originally, I was like, play, sure, more dinosaurs, good. Original cast from the se- original series, also good. Uh, they're looking to wrap up this you know, particular franchise with a third movie. I really liked the second one. Uh, and I liked the first one as well. Okay, uh, okay. So far, though, 6 out of 10 on IMDb, 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a couple of friends that work in animation... Uh, have let themselves uh, review it on Facebook saying like dinosaurs, good, everything else, bad. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God. Because oh, no. I yeah. like Laura Dern. I like Sam Neill. Jeff Goldblum, quirky, but definitely works in the roles that he's that he takes. You know, I adore Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, Chris Pratt, take, yeah. take him or leave him. I have the same Chris Pratt problem that I that you have Tom with Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yep. I agreed. He just agreed. He does some stuff as a person that you're just kind of like, I have a hard time with you now. Yeah. Anything yeah. like he's made some made some mistakes and and I, I have a hard time un, unseeing it. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And and in the action movies that I see him in, while they are good action movies, he is just Chris Pratt with the gun. <laughs> like he doesn't really, yeah. you know, um, he doesn't really expand that much from role to role. So. Um, I'm disappointed. I, I'm still probably going to see it. I just don't know if I'm going to go to see it in theaters because there's other movies that are now kind of pulling at me to say, oh, you might want to spend your money on this instead. Um, right. But uh, that said, rainy day, you know, like if I have an opportunity to go, may- maybe I'll, I'll go on and see it. Because I mean, like the special effects and the dinosaurs, it is really cool to see that kind of stuff. And there's usually some good, you know, chase scenes and actions and stuff like that in, in these films. And I am curious to see how they're going to bring the original cast back but uh yeah it's i if i go i will go with low expectations it does not sound like it's nearly as good as the first two yeah i uh Jurassic world i um very mixed feelings on pretty much landing more on just like okay it's a film you know it's kind of sits at that four out of five stars for me when i'm like i didn't hate it but uh, it wasn't you know, it was a film and I mm. watched it and I, it was, it was, it was, I liked it. It was good for what it was in the moment. And I didn't even really push myself to see Star Wars, um, Star Wars, uh, Jurassic Park, uh, Fallen Kingdom, I think was the second Fallen one or whatever. Kingdom, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't see that one, uh, which again is, I re- brow, re- you, you, uh, t- people behind Top Gun and, and Jurassic Park gave you some nice behind the scenes cash here, Joel, because you're pushing me more towards these films that I would not see. Um, but uh, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, I really had low expectations for. So if you say you enjoyed that more than Jurassic World, then maybe, maybe I should definitely try and go back and see that. But yeah, I, I'm a Dallas, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard stan, big fan of her and what she does. And, I just echo everything you say, essentially, except without the knowledge of the second film. So uh, I, I, my gut says pass. But again, like Top Gun Maverick, it will likely end up switching to a play. But in this moment, with the things on our lists, you know, if I'm forced to really hone it in tight, um, they're going to be on the more uh, pass side. Just for now, for now. To flip things around with uh, a much higher rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 82%, uh, Lightyear, the latest Pixar film uh, following the story of Buzz Lightyear, not the toy, but the actual character that the toy in Toy Story is based off of and voiced by uh, our <laughs> our favorite Captain America, <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris Evans, and just premiered just last week. Uh, and it's in theaters, I think, this Friday worldwide. And yeah. I'm on board. Like I, I mean, I, 
I can't say I'm going to rush out and see it opening day. But like if someone said, hey, Joel, you get a free afternoon. You want to go see Lightyear? I'm just like, yes. Yeah, I would. Um, I, I I like Pixar films. I specifically like Pixar action films. The Incredibles, Incredibles 2. Um, I'm trying to I'm struggling to think of a couple others. I guess the Toy That's Story films are it. almost action films. Like they've got some, yeah, yeah. they've got some high yeah. octane stuff happening in the in the the second and third Toy Story films. But um, what else is a really good? Well, Wally wasn't More an just, action film, but it, it kind of went outside of the normal safe story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and outside of the Cars franchise, which has some high octane <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, moments, it's all it's all a little silly because they're talking cars. But uh, to your point, yeah. I remember way back in the day. Uh, two way back in the days, way back, you know, for us is way back, but for li- some listeners is like, what? What are you talking about? Anyway, um, way back in the day when Disney acquired um, uh, Marvel at the time and they already had Pixar in their fold. In my brain, I was like, and this is before the MCU really blew up. I was like, oh my God, Pixar quality animation and storytelling with Marvel characters, that would be mind blowing. And they've never done that. And I get it because I think Pixar is its own thing when you go to disney plus pixar has its own tab marvel and star wars have their own tabs they're all separate but just imagine if you actually got the like go out of your disney you have like the avengers of production and minds and creation why and maybe it's because it's it would be so high highly blown up that maybe it would always fail but just imagine if pixar with some of their minds and characters and their animation went out and did a good CGI version of a Star Wars thing or a Marvel uh, character. I just, I would just be blown away by it. And then Lightyear really and truly is the closest I can imagine to that vision. Um, although it's all entirely Pixar and obviously it's a Pixar character. And again, way back, mind blown. Think back to when you first saw the first Toy Story and if you would, if you could tell yourself that decades later they would actually tell an action cgi film about buzz lightyear and in your brain you're literally just picturing his little bubble face and tim allen like puffing down the road and it's like (laughs) galaxy quest essentially and you're like oh that's that's fun or whatever but the trailers for lightyear are quite interesting um emmy my oldest almost four loves this little making of lightyear that's on Disney Plus that just is basically to promote the film, but they sort of go into how they created Buzz for the original Toy Story and where they're going with Lightyear. And having seen bits and pieces of that, it is quite interesting and engaging what they're trying to do with this character, given um, given what we know about the toy. And it's so weird that we're finally getting the movie that's supposed to explain the toy we've known for decades um and all this sort of stuff and how that could go elsewhere and there's a bit of controversy around the character as well uh you can kind of read about a bit um with the space copness of everything but i think overall i'm pretty excited by this and i agree with you this is a play for me so i think that's where i'm going to wrap up my list uh because we're we're about halfway through the show uh where where would you like to start with your pass or play well, I'll go ahead. These are some quick ones because some of them are out now, but they, um, anyway, we'll just say if we're past or play. Are you currently watching or have watched any of The Boys on Amazon, which is currently out streaming? I started it and I bailed on it. It's not that I think it's poorly made. I just think it's not for me or certainly wasn't for me at the time. I feel like okay. it came out either just yeah. before or during the pandemic. 
And mm -hmm. I was just like, this is stressful and I don't need stressful <laughs> right now. Um, I also, a... yeah, I also find it gratuitous. Like it's the same reason I don't like, um, what's the, uh, animated one from Amazon that has the exact same vibe. Uh, oh, invincible, maybe? invincible, invincible. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't down with that. Don't, don't really, um, yeah, I, I did not finish the first season of, of the boys. If I did, I forget it. So, so yeah, un boys three is, is a pass. And I've had a friend recently explain a more recent scene from a more recent episode. And I'm just like, no, I, I do not need that in my life. So, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, I don't besmirch the people that like it because no, I sure. can, un I can understand that it's an interesting take on superheroes, but I'm like you in my boy scoutedness where I'm just like, nope, don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big pass. I was a pass on the comic Garth Ennis, very well known for Preacher, very well known for some takes on Punisher and different stuff. Always had this like incredible anti-hero love, anti-hero to like the max almost. And the boys, this whole idea that these superheroes are bad or and these people have to like put, you know, put them down or like control them or something like that. There are elements of that. This interesting powers was a comic series that got a brief little run, I think, for a PlayStation <laughs> um, series or whatever um, that was interesting cops you know super cops in a world of superheroes or whatever but the boys just never grabbed me i agree I, it just doesn't have any of the vibes i'm interested in and i have several friends again who keep bringing up moments and i'm like i don't you know it that doesn't that's not no no i passed there's way too many other things that i could see that give me good vibes so i'm passing on the boys um the orville new horizons apparently i guess is moving to hulu uh, the Orville from Fox um, is out now. As a Star Trek fan, I was interested, and this is why I threw this on here. Have you ever dipped into the Orville, which Laura's father, who's a big Star Wars fan, or Star Trek, Star Trek and Star Wars, but very much a Star Trek fan, actually quite enjoyed what Seth MacFarlane's The Orville was trying to do originally. So I'm curious, have you ever watched any of The Orville? Um, and if you're interested in watching any more. I haven't because of access. Uh, I'd have okay. to figure out how to get it in Canada because I don't have Hulu and I'd either oh, okay. have to okay. pay for additional access or it's right. just not readily available. It's been on my radar. I think Alistair's brought it up before. I like Seth MacFarlane for the most part. I find him funny. Uh, I really like Adrienne Pelicki. Um, I've yeah. been a fan of hers since uh, Friday Night Lights. So um, it's like it's got some good acting chops and it, like it's it would be up the, you know, up the right alley for me in terms I would be familiar enough with Star Wars and Star Trek. I mean, I know that Seth MacFarlane is a big Trekkie. So like I would be familiar with those properties to get most of the jokes, appreciate any kind of like, you know, tongue in cheek side stuff. But I, I it's again, it's funny. Like it's the same thing with you and Hot Shots. Like I don't necessarily want to then try to go on and watch more Star Trek and more Star Wars. And then all I can think about is a series that just makes fun of it really well. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's fair. But yeah, like I, it's one of those things. Like if I was in the right mood, I was like, yeah, sure, like I'll totally watch it. Um, but again, it's just not something I have access to. So it's it's a it's a pass out of just it's not so high up on my radar that I'm going out of my way to to go find it. Sure, I, I'm more of a I have access to it. And I've had access. To it. I'm a pass just simply because I liked Galaxy Quest a lot, and I'm not a big Star Trek fan, like hard fan. I've enjoyed some things here and there but yeah it's just it there's too many other things that would push higher on the radar so it's a pass for me as well um another comic series i absolutely adored they got adapted by netflix has a third season coming out 
soon the umbrella academy season three will be coming is that a pass or play for you joel that's a pass i think i finished the first season Mm -hmm. i may have started the second and realized this is just the same as the first which i didn't really like but was curious as to where it might go um but ultimately it just reminds me of these other properties that are just as a bunch of people behaving really poorly and really badly to one another and mm-hmm. then not really having meant much for repercussions. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the name of the character, but there's some character that he was in some sort of like, he jumped into the future or something like that. And he fell in love with a mannequin. Five. Yeah. Five, I and I can't stand him. Like, I don't like the actor. I don't like the character. It's one note every time he opens his mouth. It's the exact same thing. The exact same mm-hmm. Sentences almost verbatim, um, and I just got tired of it because I found it was pandering and talking down to the audience. So it's a hard mm. pass for me. I there's a certain level of weird I like and stuff. Stranger Things is weird, um, but th- this show is just too weird for me. It's a shame. So this one, unfortunately, I can't. Even, uh, so the comics they had two that came out um, in the first season. I think what bothered me the most is that they already dipped so heavily into the second volume that I was like, where the hell are they going to keep doing this show? They've already used up so much material. Um, and I didn't love some of the characterizations that yes, are pretty, like you say, a little bit rougher around the edges for the story. But what I liked about it is the comic has such a better Wes Anderson tells the story of a dysfunctional superhero family with big but if Wes Anderson had Michael Bay money to do it, like not Michael Bay sensibilities, but Michael Bay money, because like the comic of course has these big splashy things in it that Wes Anderson really doesn't tend to do, but the Wes Anderson sensibilities of characterization uh, and sort of twee like jokes and uh, all these sort of things. I love those comics and I have the third volume and I think the creators, um, uh have a fourth one promised um but i haven't read the third one yet but it's unfortunate i would push you have put you so hard to reading those but now that you've seen the show i just guarantee anybody who's seen the show and didn't like it is probably going to see the worst parts of the comic come out at them and not like that either which is such a shame because one of those things like usual where the original medium in which a good story is told is usually where it should stay cough cowboy be uh and those sort of things um but netflix is doing that with a lot of stuff so you know and I've heard from some people that season two of Embraer Academy is really good. There was a lot of good um, uh, LGBTQT, uh, all this sort of like stuff that was brought up and a lot more. And it's like in the time period, it, it, there's a lot more things happening in season two than season one. And that's great. And, you know, it has Elliot Page in it, um, uh, who's gone through a lot of... Um, a lot during the course of the series and uh and just in and their life as well and whatnot and the the series is should be far more interesting when you have a person whose head stapled on a, a gorilla body um as their like superhero tank type character but yeah it's uh it's it's such a disappointment to me so that's a pass as well um all right so we'll do some quick hitters these ones are not out and we don't have any prior seasons, I don't think, of them. So you can give a true pass or play reaction to... Well, actually, there's a couple. Sorry. But mostly these are all would be new drops. So Baymax, popular character from uh, Big Hero 6, is going to have his own show out on Disney Plus 
June 29th. Is that a pass or play for you, Joel? That's a play to at least see what it's like. Uh, I was misled when I saw a quick teaser trailer. Um, I didn't pay attention to the end. I thought it was a film. Uh, but, but it's, but it's a series, which makes it more accessible, right? Like, so you can right. try a 20 minute episode or however long it's going to be and, and test it out. I like the Baymax character. It's probably going to be quite funny. It's obviously meant for, you know, family friendly viewing, but sometimes that's nice to have. Like sometimes I'm in the yeah. mood for animation and I don't necessarily want to sit down for a two hour film of something that may or not may or may not be very good. Um, so I'm going to say play. I'm going to say play as well. Um, although Big Hero 6 is saw so late in the game and by that time so many other big CGI films had come out and back to my life, your point, that is a fun action-y uh, CGI Disney film um, that doesn't get enough credit. But I do, it didn't, it didn't blow me away. Like I think a lot of people at the time who saw it, again, really fresh in the moment were blown away. So I think for that reason, Baymax has never been quite as exciting for me. Um, but I'll still play it. Um, so sorry, I do have another repeat. Westworld will be coming back for a fourth season. I don't know how. Um, uh, I'll get into that. It's, it starts on June 26th on HBO. Joel, are you a play on Westworld season four? I haven't finished season three. And <laughs> why would you? I because <laughs> I like the first two. And I, I like the actors involved. I mean, Evan Rachel Wood. Agreed. I like Jeffrey Wright. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of flashbacks. I mean, Thandi Newton. Uh, and Thandi Paul, Newton. I mean, you know, she like, just, just deserves more of the series than Evan Rachel Wood. Sorry, I'll say that. Yeah, I just yeah. find her character far more engaging. Far more interesting. Yeah, I do. I do find Evan Rachel Wood kind of like a kingpin, like sort of one note at the moment. Um, part of it, and I have to say, like, this is not necessarily, well, it's, it's not at all at the, at the feet of, of Westworld. It's the problem in Canada where in order to access HBO, I have to subscribe through Crave, which means I have to spend like the $20 a month just to access HBO on Mm. a shitty streaming service. So something as Mm. cool looking as Westworld looks choppy or grainy or insert other problem here. So, um, there's a lot of issues there. Now, sometimes it could be um, the Crave app on the current Roku television I have. I have found that I have issues with Disney Plus on my TV now, where sometimes Kenobi looks kind of grainy. And it's it's a real piss off, believe me. Because um, I didn't the TV wasn't cheap. It wasn't the most expensive on the market. But when you drop a lot of money on a, on a 4K TV, you expect 4K. Uh, yeah. not, not 4K with inserted grain because it can't handle the, the feed coming from the the service so so that's kept me away and i've definitely i am definitely not giving crave any more of my money uh in in canada so uh, there are other ways that i can try to find a watch uh watch the show which may end up in better quality too because it would be a it would be local right so so there's that um i liked where it was going but it's one of those shows that in and track record proves it it's a slow burn so you, oh, you have yeah. to have something to grab you. And unfortunately, where it lost me a bit was when Westworld transitioned from the West into like the modern city. And mm-hmm. that's when I'm just Agreed. like, well, it's not Westworld anymore. And I, Westworld was the, we'll call it a gimmick, but that was what I found so appealing and interesting about the show was this sci-fi future kind of like overlaid by this Western high stakes kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, but since then... It's not been as gripping, but I st- I still kind of want to see where they're going with it because I like sci-fi. I like the dystopian future type stuff. 
um, or I guess not dystopian future, but like corporate overlord future. Uh, I find that an interesting story, but I'm going to, I'm going to say play, but it's not high on the list. So here's my problem with Westworld. Um, season one, I thought was really good, really excellent, but uh, HBO in particular and some other brands do this, but HBO has been around the longest and it was for the longest time, like King of the Hill, as far as like non network television. And even then great content that was given a lot of money and talent to put behind it. HBO is like a snake oil salesman. And if you don't know that term back in the old days, there would be somebody who would ramble into these small towns, pull out vials of liquid and say, hey, in this, this can restore your balding head. You can grow hair back. Oh, well, your legs lame. Well, don't worry. Drink this. And it's a magical elixir. It'll fix everything. And it's big and splashy. And it's a con. It's supposed to really take you in spectacle and the promise of future developments. And what ends up happening is the quote-unquote snake oil, this liquid that's inside is nothing. It's it's absolutely nothing. It's a placebo. And really, um, you end up just losing your money and this person rolls out of town. Um, that's what HBO shows have done to me more and more. I just feel like they have such a great budget and such a great talent and such great writing and aesthetic and theme. And then what they do is they try so hard to make the thematic mood and atmosphere the thing that drives you to watch it rather than you know what like after a while i get the aesthetic i get the the stuff but like i don't care anymore i mean i just season three got to a point where it was like i i i it just it was aaron paul's in it he's a great actor too but every time he's on screen i'm like he looks like he's in pain and i feel like he's in pain because all they're giving him is be in pain because everyone in this series is in some form of pain. And like, great. Like, it's like a very strange, overdone, like, it's just there. And I get it. It doesn't have to have a lot of humor. I mean, Breaking Bad is an incredibly bleak show. It had a little bit of humor, but again, pretty bleak, easy to uh, easier to watch to me than generally Westworld. And I know some people at the time when I was pumping it up and really excited by that first season and even starting of season two, they were kind of like, what happened? The end of season one should have been where this, the whole series started. And looking back, they didn't have a, a, a wrong point. There's been plenty of moments throughout Westworld. I'm like, they could have taken these episodes, these episodes, that episode, that moment. All right, put it together. Now you have one season and then you could be done. Or you could now go somewhere. But so far, there's so little. And to your point, because HBO is not dumping these all at once and I'm not binging them all at once, now it's really frustrating to be like, oh my God, I watched an hour, full hour. And there was like so much just thematicness and mm. no substance. And so that's really frustrating because that is one of the best high concept sci-fi shows and there's things they're bringing up that's really interesting. And then it just sits there so mm -hmm. long and nothing develops. So I'm so frustrated by it. And it's such a bummer. And my, and Laura really likes it a lot. And we loved it. It was like our big show for a while when Game of Thrones was off. And we watched season three. And I feel like I'll have to watch season four. But I'm just going to be so <laughs> mad about it. I'm going to be so mad about it, Joel. And why do we? Why are we watching shows that we just sit there and we're mad the whole time? See, like, and that's that's why I bailed on 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 Westworld season three because again, I I was catching it later. 
I had the entire season to binge, but it was in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, not that the pandemic is over, but like in the middle of the height of the, what the hell is going on in the world right now? Yeah, for There's sure. just yeah, yeah. so much. I mean, on top of that, there's all kinds of other social issues. Like there's all kinds of crap. I'm just like, and, and I did not need to watch a 60 minute long establishing sequence of people being either angry or sad or hurt or in pain. I'm just like, this, I don't need, I don't need this. It's the same reason why I stopped watching the walking dead. It was interesting as a concept at first. And then it just got, Oh, this is just going to be the endless parade of the worst of humanity. Just FYI. I'm just like, awesome. I can get that from the news. Like I don't, I don't yeah. need it in a show where I'm trying to escape. Uh, I yeah. think that's why I like star Wars so much and why I like, you know, fantasy films and all that kind of stuff so much is because it really, it really takes you out of the, you know, adult thing that you have to do on a daily basis if you're trying to, right. you know, at least just keep up with the world. But yeah. I think you brought this up on the show. If not, then I recommend it to you. But if you, if Westworld is interesting to you at all, hey, just go watch Ex Machina, the movie and be done. Like that's, does everything Westworld's trying to do better and it's over. Like to me, Ex Machina was like as a film, but Westworld is really trying to just literally just rip, pull like taffy. And it's like, dude, mm. no, man, no. Like it it does all your aesthetic. It does all your like lingering. It does all your sci-fi and it does your big concepts in a faster, better way. Um, You're talking about the because, one with Oscar Isaac? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, Lo oh, um, loved it. Yeah. Fantastic. Like scary as hell and, and in a good way. A yeah, great, no, great very, film. very great unsettling. And it's not mm -hmm. even about like terminating. Unsettling is that's the that's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, so play Ex Machina, pass on season four of, of Westworld. Let's stop giving these snake oil sales people uh all of our time. <laughs> all right. So only murders in the building season two. Did you see season one enough to want to see season two? Really? I didn't even touch season one. And okay. I I it's probably something I would like. Uh it's fun. It's been re recommended by Lou on the show. He really enjoyed it. Uh, I have access it's to it on Disney+. It's very goofy, Plus. Joel. It's, it's, I'll say this. If you've ever watched basically Steve Martin and Martin Short together and just enjoyed just them talking to each other, then the show will be great. Because like, basically, you know, it's that, but they're characters and they're trying to solve a mystery. Whatever. It's right. just, you're just coming because you're watching Steve Martin and Martin Short. And Selena Gomez is the third lead, but yes. Anyway, it, and that's fine. It's it's cute. It's fun. Um, you know, the mystery itself is like blowing you away. They're not doing all these things that are incredible. And even then, there's a few things where it's like Martin Short does a great job doing the Martin shortness of it. Steve Martin doesn't even really do the Steve Martin elements that I find most funny about him until a little bit further on in that first season. So hopefully season two will develop a little better. But he's a lot more Steve Martin shop girl era um um you know when he was big into he was more of an author and he was doing these other stuff um then he is the steve martin i think that i love which is a lot more like you know he's older but it's it's not slapsticky he's just like i can as i say it i'm like kind of popping up on the on the balls of my feet on the toes he's just witty he's just like it snaps out of him really quickly and like he is very slow a little bit more in his um, timing um, in season one. So hopefully that picks up in season two, but it's a play for me. But if you haven't seen season one, uh, it definitely picks up after major events of season one. So probably pass on season two. So here's some ones that have not come out yet uh, and have no prior standing. So uh, you already just said your opinion on Crave. So maybe this is an, an easy one to pass on, although it has 
The Game of Thrones clout is House of the Dragon, a, pla a pass or play for you coming out August 21st on HBO, the highly touted prequel for the Game of Thrones series. So it'll be a play. I'll find a different way to watch it because a okay. uh, big fan of Game of Thrones, despite the disappointing series wrap up, but they have been and were the best fantasy series on television. Uh, right. And probably the the best fantasy property since Lord of the Rings was in theaters. I have not. I've seen a lot of stuff try to be fantasy in either series or films, and it just fails. So, um, with the exception of like animation, so I, I feel like I'm I'm definitely on board for for at least testing out House of the Dragon. Hopefully, they take it somewhere different. I don't want it to be just Game of Thrones, but earlier. Do you know what I mean? Agreed, and I think that's what we're gonna get. So I'm I'm a mm. I'm a I'm a play. I'm but again, HBO Snake Oil Salesman can't wait for this to basically be like, don't worry, there's all this, and it's just gonna be like, oh, this is how a character we know got their famous shield we saw in season three. Oh, this is how a character blah blah. So anyway, um, hopefully it's not that. Uh, I am on the record as saying I hate everything that's ever been a prequel, ever, <laughs> uh, and it's tough because we're watching Kenobi. Anything that's ever been a prequel ever, except for Better Call Saul, which somehow made me like Breaking Bad more, even though I think it's great, but I don't like it. Better Call Saul and Bob Odenkirk made me actually like the idea of a prequel. And that's it. Like, that's the exception that proves the rule to me. So anyway, um, I don't know. House of the Dragon is a play, but um, I might be hate watching that pretty fast. Okay, She-Hulk Attorney at Law premieres August 17th. What do you think about that one? Oh, play. I mean, Hulk is one of my favorite characters. I like Ruffalo as Banner, and it seems like an interesting concept. Disney has the money to pull these kind of things off as series, and um, the trailer seemed interesting and cool. And I like how Disney Plus, even though the films didn't do it as much because of the ensemble cast um, that they needed to push forward, with the exception of Captain Marvel, uh, I like that they're putting out a lot more female superhero leads and just and mm. not and not apologizing about it like they're just it's it's a it's a big old baseball bat saying like here's the next show and it's like we're putting all of our weight behind it you know and um, Agreed. I, I hope it's good like i re i really hope that i hope it's undeniably good because there's gonna be drama online like there's gonna be people that don't like it um but i'm, I'm hoping that they I'm hoping that they they nail it. And I mean, I'm not a, I, I don't dislike the comics because I've never read them. I know She-Hulk is a character and I knew of her, but I'm I'm happy to just see what they do with it. And hopefully, um, because I'm not going to be like, well, it's different than the comics or like, that's not how I would have done it or something like that. I don't have any of those kind of preconceptions. So I'm hoping it's just going to be fun. Yeah, I agree. And and I don't know if they're going to do the same thing or not, but it's, it's interesting in the comic She-Hulk, She-Hulk 24-7. And she still walks into a courtroom in, in like a suit and uh, as an attorney. So it's just a Hulk, a Hulk, uh, a female identifying person and, uh, and and a nice suit. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that. Um, I do agree. This is an adult functioning woman um, and they've already had some kind of sex life jokes in the trailer. I'll be interested to see because, you know, how that plays out, have people uh, gravitate towards more, you know, groundedness, you know, this she likely is she, it's a she-hulk attorney law that she-hulk fights cosmic monsters so i'm in for this 
I'll be interested to see where they go and if people are on board still. So that's a play for me. Uh, I know you don't love the horror genre. You probably haven't watched a ton of them, but Jordan Peele's Nope, N-O-P-E, uh, seemingly about sort of like alien invader type horror thriller film out July 22nd. Is that a pass or play? It's a curious. I, I'd have to wait to see what people say about it. I'm not a big horror fan, but I, I like sci-fi. And so... As it might be more in your wheelhouse than like yeah the people in, the people that are also like well let's just say like the the creators that I follow on TikTok that are just like big Marvel nerds I I rely on them for like some behind the scenes info about like oh this was like the comics or here's some Easter eggs that you might have missed like that kind of right. cool stuff they're really excited about nope so I'm just like all right well I mean if they're excited about it they they seem to have the same opinion about everything else they're talking about that I do you know <laughs> Star Wars Marvel yeah you know like that kind of stuff so it's like well if they're if they're excited about it then, then I could be too but it's so funny that so much of the marvel sci-fi fantasy star wars folks are also really into horror and i'm just not like that's it's where my line just gets drawn where it's like eh, not really my my thing because i find either one it's really uncomfortable and and over the top uh like the boys level kind of like gross uh or yeah. or it's predictable and that's where i'm just like okay so there's a bad guy. Why are you going outside? Why? <laughs> like that's yeah. And that's where I'm just like that. That's the tropiness that I just can't get past. Um, right, so it really right. depends. I think the last, the last horror film that I saw that I enjoyed, not because it was necessarily scary, but I just kind of enjoyed the ride, was a long time ago, and was dragged by a partner at the time to go see Cabin in the Woods. Oh my, I, I somehow I knew you were about to say that film because that is really, that's almost a jump to shark like horror film because they do it so well that like we were just saying throughout the whole theme of the show, the Orville and Spaceballs making fun of Star Wars is like some, once you see Kevin and Wood, sometimes you go back and you watch all these horror films and you're like, man, Kevin and Wood just kind of ruined some of this all for me because mm -hmm. it just does it so well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's one of my top, top favorites. Horror in general, just like sci-fi, was just one of those pulpy things where we could comment and satirize society without people getting so up in arms until they watched it and see what they were trying to be told. Um, and I appreciate that so much in Jordan Peele's work uh, he's had up to this point. So I'm excited to see Nope um, as well. Uh, the next one on my list is Bullet Train, a big Brad Pitt film coming out by pretty much the producer, director, creators, uh, behind, you know, John Wick. Um, also let's see here. If you're unfamiliar, it's a bunch of, it's August 5th, five assassins on a bullet train, basically trying to kill one target. And the people behind this essentially helped, um, in, uh, a lot of the same type of stuff. Yeah. Like I'm seeing John Wick as some of the people created, uh with that are tied to this film and um things of that nature so joel bullet train is that a pass or play for you so david leach directed john wick atomic blonde and deadpool 2 mm -hmm. uh i like the first two deadpool 2 was like a meh for me but okay. uh i can appreciate that it's probably going to be some solid action directing i like brad pitt in most of the things that he's in uh, especially older Brad Pitt. Like uh, for whatever reason, I just, I, I enjoy like the cool level-headed sort ofness of it. What I find so interesting about, about Brad Pitt as an actor more lately in his other in more recent projects, I feel like he just gives zero fucks. And I, for whatever reason, <laughs> I've, I, it comes across in his work 
and it just like it just has a mellowness to it that I that I enjoy. I agree. I feel like early on he was this pretty boy, sexy dude, and he had to try and be pretty sexy and like unpoint and unblemished, which is why I never liked a Brad Pitt role or film primarily, even really seven. I like seven, not him particularly until the oceans film because that was the first time you would just always see him eating messily eating food and you're like he's this like super sex symbol and he's like wiping mustard off his face constantly and it was funny and i liked to see that and i agree with you this sarah like no fucks brad pitt later in life like he he was in the big short as this sort of really goofy like um uh financial guy and like I like that. That's an element of that person that I enjoy far more. And I've never found him the best actor. So now that he seems to be probably even less constrained, I feel his acting is a little bit more natural. So I really enjoy that. And I have never seen a single John Wick film and so many of my friends love him. And I really would like to. I just somehow it's always not been streaming in a way I could see it. Or at least I want to see one. But I can never, you know, see the rest of them. Until I, I think they're all on Netflix right now, at least in Canada. I know that differs from from country to country sometime. Okay, well, I will try and do that then. Because I would love to try and see the John Wick films. I've heard literally they're, they're just most absolutely bonkers, ridiculous things, but very, in an enjoyable way. So oh, they're I, a fun would, ride. Yeah, they're a yeah. fun ride. And, and I would put it, you know, in the same thing I just said about Brad Pitt, same thing with Keanu Reeves. Like he just, yeah. he's in there. I, he like, he's doing something that he enjoys that he does very well, and the movie does not set the expectations beyond that. They might yeah. take the character in the story beyond that, but because you're not expecting them to, it it, it works so much better than, than having these high expectations. I'm struggling to remember the name. Oh, Fury. Um, that was the that was the World War II tank movie, right, with Brad Pitt? I think I... That about 2014? About ten, yeah, about 10 years ago. That, that's where the, that was the turning point for me. When I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. He's like, this is a, a different kind of role for, for Pitt. Um, that's kind of where I started paying a lot more attention. Cause I'm, I mean, I've seen movies with him in it before, but like you, I kind of like take it or leave it, you know, like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't anything that I would, I would necessarily remember, but I remember that film, you know, and well, and there's also, I mean, Shia LaBeouf was in it. And there's also a couple of other actors that are also very good that were in, in the film. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, Bullet Train, I guess, is on my list because of the John Wick stuff. I I only just saw the trailer. I think the thing for me was I saw the trailer and I thought, that looks good. I have to go make sure that it's not a director that I really dislike. You know, like I have to sure, go make sure yeah. it's not a Tarantino yeah. film or because of how artsy it looks or because Michael of all Bay the neon. Or, or, yeah. Well, I don't know about Michael Bay because I knew it didn't seem like a Michael Bay film to me. There weren't enough that's women true, in it for true. Michael Bay for it to it be does, a Michael it Bay. It has more. Yeah, you're right. Michael you know? Bay doesn't even understand the concept of neon. And he. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> uh, it was <laughs> it was one of those things where like I, I wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be like one of those weird kung fu movies or. Um, I'm struggling. Like I was not Taika Waititi, but I'm trying to think of a director that would be kind of up there in the in the dismissal category for me. The thing is, like normally I don't even note the director. It's like, oh, it's those kind of films. Um, yeah, agreed. there's there's been a couple of films that are very similar on Netflix right now. Uh, one of them is got a female lead, and it's all about machine guns, and it's got all this kind of like it looks like a more modern version of Sin City. 
um mm -hmm. and there's been a couple of those uh like machine gun milkshake or something was, is what it was called there was one with karen gillian in it and then another one mm. was with another girl anyway they just it just seemed like there's you know how like one studio makes a penguin movie and then there's seven penguin movies next summer like right exactly that's what yeah, that's what i looked at yeah. this one i thought well is bullet train the third or fourth in a series of of movies like this or is this the one that was in production and started it all and then the other ones that i'm seeing are just faster to release than this one right and yeah, so right so i'll say i'll say play i'll say play i'm not sure if i'm gonna rush out to theaters but like i'll say play when i have access to it all right let's play it uh, okay so our last two or last three here so we got elvis the Boz lerman uh biopic about elvis famously got tom hanks covid <laughs> sorry i couldn't help myself so yes when when tom hanks was filming this film is when he got covid he plays uh elvis's historically uh pretty horrible uh manager um uh just go look up some stuff um i think i think he's known as the general i should know his name other than just that he was not a great human being or at least not the way he he worked um for elvis but anyway Boz Lerman, i'm usually a, a Boz Lerman apologist um um so i'm more of a play on this one but um i'm interested about you june 24th are you into elvis at all hard pass okay not interested in the subject matter tom hanks and all kinds of prosthetic makeup i just i feel like they could have just I don't know the guy, you know, the, the Colonel Tom Parker well enough. They could have right. just had Tom Hanks show up as Tom Hanks and I wouldn't care. It's not like I'm going to like, well, he's not fat enough to be the, the Colonel. Don't care. Like it wouldn't have mattered. Tom Hanks is a better actor when he's not doing a fake voice and, and covered in prosthetics. Um, but I just don't have any interest in the subject matter. Another sequel, Minions Rise of Gru out July 1st. Are you interested in more Minions? I would say yes on home video. Um, I was bored one night and watched the first Minions, like not the Despicable Me, but the actual Minions film, and I laughed my ass off. So, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, okay. I found it very funny. I, I it just hit me right that night. Uh, it's it's the right kind of like Warner Brothers slapstick that I grew up with, and and again, not going to rush out to the theaters, but when Minions: Rise of Gru shows up, I'll I will probably watch it because it'll probably make me laugh. That's interesting to know. That's another one where you can't push me more. It's a pass for me. Um, I've always found the minions as the characters. I don't. I don't want all, only just minions, but um, but interesting. All right. So well, maybe that'll be pushed towards a play. The last one here, and I really just put here because it's a big, it's a big Netflix release. It's one of their movies. As far as I can tell, I think it's only coming to Netflix. Maybe it's going to go to theaters. Um, but it's Ryan Gosling action film. The Gray Man, out July 22nd. The article I read about it seems to be like Netflix is trying to get sort of a Mission Impossible. Basically what they tried to do with Red Notice, um, uh, with Dwight uh, Johnson and uh, Ryan Reynolds to try and start have sort of their own action franchise of films that they have under their belt rather than these sort of one-off things. So uh, The Gray Man... Is it interesting at all to you, Joel, for passive play? I'm going to say play because I'm going to have access on Netflix. Uh, I like both Gosling and Chris Evans. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I haven't even seen a trailer. I have seen an interview with Evans where people were asking him about it. 
Uh, he's been an impress a lot lately, obviously with Lightyear premiering. And someone had a follow-up question about, about Gray Man and working with, with Gosling. And he was sharing a lot about like how hard they worked on the action sequences to make it look as good as possible. So, I mean, I'm on board. I really like, I agree. Gosling and Evans are kind of two names now that um, would kind of push me towards, towards stuff, particularly Ryan Gosling, who I've warmed up to more as, again, he feels like he has a lot more sense of humor in the stuff he does. I really loved him in the new Blade Runner 2049, and I actually really loved the nice the nice guys um, with him and Russell Crowe. Um, I just, I, I, I like Ryan Gosling when he has a little bit more of a humor to him. Drive is really good, but Drive is still really dry. So even though he's good in that, I, I prefer him more in uh, the, the the former two films I was mentioning. But anyway, yeah, it's a play for me. And like you say, it's going to be on Netflix. So even though with Red Notice, it took me, I don't know, maybe a year. I don't know how long it took me, but eventually I watched it. So eventually, Gray Man, maybe not day of, maybe not even week of, but it'll be a play for me as well. So uh, that's all I have for the passive play, Joel. That's a good place to to wrap it up, actually. We uh, don't really have much time to talk about anything else. I'll mention that I've been watching Foundation, that I've been watching uh, all of the things that I, I mentioned earlier, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Stranger Things, uh, Top Gun Maverick. We'll probably discuss those in depth on the show, but obviously a better discussion when both myself and the person on the show with me have seen those. Uh, so we'll, we'll touch base with some co-hosts and see who's seen what and uh, and come back at you later on with some more in-depth reviews uh we'll just leave with the internet minute which is brought to you by you the sizzle cafe is 100 listener supported if you get value out of the show please consider putting a little bit of value back in you can become a member at patreon.com slash the sizzle cafe joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only discord servers shared with my personal discord and access to the barista cut bonus audio sessions special thanks to bean counter patrons smurf 588 Thanks so much for your support of this episode. Patron count is just down one since the last time that we made an episode. We would like to get that back up. If you want to become patron number 28, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And I can't say enough good things about the community that's been uh, growing around this Discord server. It's uh, an awful lot of fun. A lot of just really well-meaning, lovely, nerdy people talking about all the stuff that they're passionate about. Uh, so check it out patreon.com slash the Citadel cafe i have a lego pick surprising no one uh it is the vincent van gogh set vincent van gogh starry starry night it's uh 2300 pieces 12 by 15 by 5 uh 220 canadian as with most creator expert series but that piece count is something else like that is that's a lot it is astronomical that is a lot of pieces and i don't necessarily think it's for me like i it, the price point for me for what it is is like ah i don't know however i i really have to just point out just how incredible this piece is just as an art an art engineering mm-hmm. project like it is really really interesting what they're doing with lego to make starry starry night kind of like a diorama it's got depth to it like it's probably six or eight blocks deep comes with a little van gogh uh a little van gogh minifig painting on a canvas but really the the large thing about it is is the 12 by 15 by five inches deep uh i i'm assuming that five inches includes the little kind of stand that van gogh is on but we'll just say it's probably a good inch or two deep in terms of um the layers yeah it has a lot of layers to it which is honestly to your point if you go on the 
the website, it'll show a side profile. And you're right. I, I think that's also what gives it a little more oomph as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really really interesting. So check it out. Uh, it's available now, I believe. Yeah, it's available now uh, on Lego.com and Lego.ca. Uh, and I'll leave with another teaser for my Twitch channel. Uh, remember a few weeks ago when I teased the Optimus Prime Lego set? I have it, <laughs> and I'm going to be yeah. building it live on Twitch. So Twitch.tv/slash Joel Duggan. Uh, look for some more Lego there. And it's going to be several streams because it's 1,500 pieces. I'm going to make a transformer to Lego, and I can't freaking wait. <laughs> so there's that. That is the end of this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Brockett and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email the show with your thoughts on our pass or play picks at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online at joelduggan.com. Listen to my other podcast about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. And of course, follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I just mentioned that I'm going to be building the Optimus Prime Lego set. Brockett, where can people find you online? You can find me at the Catvolver in most places, wherever you find such things. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.